Merry Christmas and welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. This Christmas, we're in a series called He Shall Be Called, where we're looking at the names of God and what the promises of Jesus's arrival means for us. We started off with Pastor Nicole looking at Jesus as our wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor always knows our needs and can always empathize with our pain. Last week, Pastor Jack Reisner was here and shared with us about our mighty God. Even in our pain, God tells us that help is on the way. Today, Pastor Nicole will share about Jesus as our everlasting Father. We'll see that Jesus comes to rewrite our story and provide all we need. So let's continue with our Christmas series. Here's Pastor Nicole. You know, we've been focusing um, our Christmas series on the names of God found in Isaiah 9, 6. And every week we've been looking at a verse of the many facets of who Jesus is. Um, So I want to read it to you this morning. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now today I'm going to talk about Everlasting Father. Um, And when the people heard this in Isaiah's day, uh, what did they associate with the name Father? You know, I think they looked at the term father very different than what comes to our mind today. Um, Did you know that one in three children in America don't have a father in their home? One in three. That marriage and fatherhood is getting less and less important to the coming generations, and it's causing a huge gap in society. The statistics are heart-stopping. In fact, um, they're beginning to call the upcoming generation, the upcoming young people, the fatherless generation. 90% of all runaway or homeless children are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts have no father present. And 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. And those are just a few statistics that I picked out. I, I could go on and on. Now, for many of you, even in this room, perhaps your father was present. Uh, Maybe you would say, um, that's my statistic, or maybe you would say, no, my father was present. Maybe he never left physically, but emotionally, he checked out early. Or maybe you're um, a victim of some sort of abuse or pain um, that your own earthly father caused. And as I was uh, preparing today, to talk about the everlasting father, um, I felt that the Lord really gave me a specific word, um, maybe for those of you in this room or those of you who are listening online today who have had an absent father or have had an abusive father in some way. And this is what I really believe we need to understand and know about this particular scripture and this attribute of who God is, is that it is important that we separate God's character from any earthly father's character. It's important that we separate God's character from any earthly father's character because even the best father will fail his child at times on earth. Even if you can say you had the best dad in the world, he will have failed you at some time in our life. The the, the thing is, we're humans, we're flesh, we can't be perfect But the difference between what identifies us as Christians is instead of being a victim, instead of saying, yes, I I was fatherless, I had an abusive father or an emotionally absent father, or I had a father that wasn't very good, we are not victims because we are children of an everlasting father. God did something new in that. 
And if you have suffered, God wants you to know this morning that you are not imprisoned to a future defined by your suffering. That God has chosen you. He's given you a new identity and a new hope. And we can expand our vision of fatherhood beyond what we have experienced Now, maybe what you've experienced is good, and that's great. Use that to understand God as Father. But even in that, there is so much more to who God is. And so we need to expand our understanding of what an everlasting Father is. David, uh, in the scripture, he did a lot of incredible things for the Lord, but he did not succeed very well at home. If you remember his his story, he was a great king. He was an amazing warrior, but he failed frequently as a father. And the story of David reminds us that great people can succeed brilliantly in some areas of life, but fail completely in other important areas. Have you seen that? People can be incredibly awesome in one area of their life, but then in a whole nother area, an important area, they can fail totally and completely. So David, he had a son named Solomon from a relationship with a woman named Bathsheba, and the circumstances were not good leading up to the son. They were not perfect. Uh, He obtained Bathsheba through murder, through adultery, Uh, but in God's profound grace, He turns a story of sin and a story of tragedy into a a life-giving picture for an entire nation. And Solomon becomes the most powerful and wise king that has ever lived. Um, I've been thinking a lot about my trip to Jerusalem lately, and I know I brought it up a few weeks ago, but as I was thinking about this, I, I stood, I have a picture here, I stood inside a temple that Solomon built that's still standing today in Jerusalem. In fact, these are the steps that Solomon built that Jesus preached on centuries later. That's where I I stood. I was there. And so as we know, even though the beginnings of Solomon's life were, were not ideal, even though David wasn't always the best father to Solomon, God uses the profound grace that he gives and has worked through Solomon to, to make impacts for generations. To top it off, um, from the Davidic lineage of Solomon came Jesus, the Messiah, the the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the person that we're celebrating and talking about today. And so here's my point. Your father may not get the father of the year award, but your everlasting father, he rewrites any story. Your everlasting father can do something with anything. Your everlasting father can take a bad situation in a bad environment and turn it into something that lasts supernaturally forever. The everlasting father can rewrite any story. So I want to look at Isaiah and um, what maybe he meant when he called God the father. And so I did a little research into the culture at the time. What did they think of when they um, heard the word father? And one of the father's primary roles then, and I believe still is now, is to provide for the family. Fathers provide. Um, Earthly fathers can never give anything, everything we could possibly need. That's not possible. We're limited in nature. But the everlasting father provides all that we need. 
The everlasting Father provides all that we need. I love this, and the Apostle Paul wrote it in Philippians 4:19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So what do you need today? What did you come here with that you need? What is a need that you have? Because the everlasting Father provides all that we need. He provides words for tough situations. He, he provides guidance for decisions you have to make. He provides the comfort that you might need in times of a heart, heartbreak. He provides people who stand alongside of us and teach us. He, he gives us strength when we feel like we can't go on. Uh, he provides opportunities for us to make a, a real difference in our life. He, he provides for us. He rewrites our story from pain to victory, from emptiness to purposefulness. Our everlasting Father provides for our every need. Now, just going a bit ahead in the book of Isaiah, um, in chapter 22, so that we can understand what they thought about when they thought about father, um, is we see that kings often cared for people groups. And those groups of people looked to that king like a father. Uh, so in some cases, um, the spiritual leader was the father of the community. Elijah, Elisha, they were both referenced as the father um, to the people who followed them. And so to be a father to someone, you don't always have to be biologically linked. In fact, um, how many of you here today, you would say you've had someone in your life who was like a father to you that you weren't related to? Raise your hand if you're like, I have someone who has been like a father to me, not biologically related. Yeah. So, so that's what is happening in this culture. There are kings who are providing for the people. There are, uh, there are spiritual leaders and communities that are acting as as fathers to the people. And when Isaiah said, listen, the Messiah is the name everlasting father who is coming, this really spoke to the people in a way they understood because they knew that someone could come and be a father figure to a nation or a community that was not their blood relation. They watched it happen over and over. And in Israel, um, there would be one good king, then a couple bad kings, then maybe another good king. And so when Isaiah said, look, there is an everlasting father, this meant to the people there was protection and provision forever, not just until the next bad king showed up. Jesus is called the everlasting father because his love will never end. His love will never wane or waffle. It's steady. It's strong. It's secure. It's as loving as it was last Christmas and as loving as it will be next Christmas. Okay, his love never, ever changes. And that's what Isaiah is trying to communicate to the people. This isn't going to be like one really great king. This is going to be a king that is really great all the time, all the days long, every breath in your lungs. This is what God's going to be, the everlasting father. I love this in Romans 8. Um, we're asked a question, verses 35 through 39. And just as I read it to you today, you can get a little excited as I read this. Okay, I know I do. So like, make sure your heart's bumping today. And Christmas is in a week. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we thank him for that? That's what everlasting means, see? No exceptions. Nothing can come take it away. For I am convinced every day of my life, good or bad, high or low, mountain or valley, circumstances that that feel favorable and circumstances that don't, that he is my everlasting father. He's never going to give up. He's never going to opt out. He's never not going to show up like maybe my earthly father did. Not mine, but I'm saying metaphorically. Just to be clear, he's right over there. So I just want him to know. <laughs> Best dad ever. So Isaiah is declaring this. The Messiah is the wonderful counselor. We talked about that week one. The one who has the plan. The, the one who, remember we talked about how he knows what you need and he's able to, to, to figure out how you need it. And then he's the mighty God. We talked about that last week. The one who has the ability to carry out the plan. He has all the resources. He has everything possible. He can move every mountain. He can do everything that we need. But also, he's the everlasting father. Now, this describes the the, the attitude, the spirit that motivates him to carry out the plan. He doesn't just know the plan and he he can give us the plan. He wants to because he loves you so much. Because he's like a father. He's the everlasting father. He knows who will always bring, he will always bring protection and provision to you, no matter how how it appears to be, no matter what we need. He can do it. And you know why he's going to do it? Because he loves you so much. Not because he's obligated, not because he, um, you've convinced him, not because you've begged him enough, but because he is an everlasting father. So John Uh, The writer of the gospel, he adds more to this prophecy. You know, um, scripture is very much a a progressive revelation. God God gives us one thing and then gives us another and then gives us another. And that's why it's so important to to read it all the way through Old and New Testament and and put it all together because we see how God is just unveiling, unraveling. Let me tell you more. Let me tell you more. And I believe when we get to heaven, it's just going to continue that way, right? Let me tell you more and more. Let me show you more. Let me see you that there's more to God than you can ever ask or imagine. But John uh, 14, 16 through 19, he's talking about this everlasting father prophecy. And he says, listen, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. So here's what John says. Listen, when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you get a father. And not just any father, you get an everlasting father. You're not an orphan anymore. And this father will be everlasting because he will live inside of you and he will be an advocate to help you forever. And the people may not have understood this, but Isaiah was prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
And John was pointing it out. And God, God did what he said he would do. He sent us an everlasting father. And that everlasting father is alive today and brings you protection and provision no matter what it is that's trying to steal that joy from you. And he lives inside of you. And so all we have to do, uh, John says, is ask God for the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. In fact, if you've never done that today, if some of this is maybe a little bit new to you, even right now, right where you are from your pink pew, you can, you can say silently to yourself, God, I want the Holy Spirit. Like, I want the advocate inside of me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And God loves to answer that prayer. Because listen, you are no orphan. Your father may not have been the best example of who God is, but the everlasting father is here to help you forever. And you are no orphan. Tell your heart that today. I'm not. I'm not out here on my own. I don't have to try to make things happen and no one's going to help me. Uh, just because I had a difficult upbringing or, or maybe my relationship with my father is strained right now, I am not an orphan. I have an everlasting father. This is the message of Christmas. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father that totally promises we are never orphans again when we have that relationship with him. You know, sometimes um, it can get a little confusing how is Jesus the son and also the father? Maybe you've been thinking that as I've been sharing today. I want to encourage you, don't get sidetracked or too deep in the weeds with, with this name of God. Um, the mystery of the Trinity is that there is one God who manifests in three distinct or separate persons. There's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And the father is not the son, and the son is not the spirit, and the spirit is not the father, but they are all one God. And I want you to say, I don't understand that. And I'm going to say, neither do I. We're humans, okay? We don't, we're not supposed to understand it. This is God. He's doing his thing. And we need to be thankful that he's bigger than our minds or we could capture a minute. Okay, but it's this trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're, and they're all one and they're all separate all at the same time. But Jesus is not called everlasting father because there's some confusion about the nature of God the Father or the God, God the Son. Jesus is called everlasting father because of his father-like qualities. He is still God the Son, and his love and grace are like that of a father with his children. I love this concept. Um, I've been studying uh, this concept. One author asked this question, um, what was God doing before creation? Anyone ever thought that before? What is God doing before creation? Maybe like over your morning coffee, you're thinking that? No? Okay. <laughs> it's a good question. What was God doing before creation? Just think about it for a minute if you've never wondered it. Well, if God were uh, mainly a creator, he is a creator, but if that was all he was, then he would need his creation to define him. Okay, he would just be creating all the time, which he is, but uh, he would need that. Uh, maybe somebody would say he's a, he's a ruler. Well, then he would need something to rule to make him God, because he's not a ruler if there's nothing to rule. Have you ever heard that? You're not a leader if no one's following you, right? You're just taking a really long walk. <laughs> you, know, if, you have to have something to rule. You have to have something to lead. Same if God were a judge. 
Each of these titles, and I could go on, they're accurate descriptions of God. He is a creator, he is a ruler, he is a judge, but they fail to show us who God is because the question is, each of these depends upon something else to be the case. And so if there were nothing else, like if there was nothing to rule or judge or, or redeem, what would God be doing? We have to ask ourselves that question. Like what, what, who is God apart from anything else? Who is God at the very core of who he is? What was he doing before he created the earth and the heavens and we gave him all this trouble and he has to redeem all our brokenness and fix all our problems, you know? What was he doing? Well, Isaiah 63, 16 says this, but you are our father, though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer from old is your name. The answer is this, he was father. That's what God was doing. He is father at the core. He'll always be father. The biblical revelation of the Trinity begins to unfold this wonder. What was God doing before he created and ruled and judged? He was a father to the Son and the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need anything but himself for this to be true. He's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he was fathering the Son and the Holy Spirit. And before there was anything, there was God and the everlasting Father who eternally has loved his Son in an unceasing fellowship of the Spirit. This is who God is. He is Father. So now if someone asks you that question in Panera, you know the answer. Just tell them. Your pastor's getting a master's of theology so she can answer it. You know, according to the Jewish Talmud, when a child is weaned, the first word a child learns to say is Abba. Can you say that from your seat this morning, Abba? Okay, it means dad, daddy, or dearest father. It's a form of affection and intimacy. You know, nowhere in the Old Testament do we find the term Abba used in addressing God. The, the kind of super religious Jews, they felt too much of a gap um, they, they could not call God that. It was like too familiar of an expression. But Jesus used Abba when addressing God the Father in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says in Mark 14, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And it's really showing this moment. Jesus is in the garden and he's not saying like, excuse me, sir, <laughs> Can you please just submit my request up the chain because I'm having a problem? Jesus says, God, Father, listen, I'm, I'm close to you. I love you. If you can do anything, just help me. Help me out with this. I, I am, I'm struggling. And, and Jesus uses this expression because Jesus is, is the child that like, he would speak to his father. And it reflects this intimacy, this trust that has characterized his relationship with God. Okay, we see like this moment. It would be like if you walked in on um, someone having a conversation with their spouse or their parent that was just all guards down. No one was listening. You're just completely who you are. Please help me. I am in trouble. I need you. Abba, Father, God. And he's having this, this conversation. And it's so interesting because Paul in Romans 8 He's talking to us. He's talking to the people of the church, and that's talking to us. And he says this, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, what's that say? Abba, 
Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Paul is saying, listen, it may feel like you do not deserve to come to God, and we don't. But through Jesus, through the the work on the cross, through the Holy Spirit, God is giving us permission. God is giving us access to have relationship with him to the point that we can so intimately say, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit, the everlasting Father, just stirs that up in us. And it allows us to have that same intimacy and closeness that Jesus had with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. God is our father. He is Abba. He is the essence of who God is. And he says, listen, I want you to call me that because I want you to feel that close to me. Wow. That's what God wants us to do. He instructed us that when we meet with God, when we come before him, we can say, Abba, Father. You know, only born again believers can call him Father. Only the saints. Even angels tremble before him. The seraphim and the cherubim, they don't have the privilege, the same privilege that children of God do. Did you know that? No one is able to call him Abba Father except a born-again believer. That is a privilege. That's an access that you have because God says, listen, you can come to me with confidence that I am your father and I'm here for you. I'm your everlasting father and I want you to experience the tenderness of my heart. You know, literally hours Before Jesus goes to the cross, he gives us this command. It's his last public statement, um, his last uh, thing that he wants everyone to know. And it says in Matthew 22, Jesus replies, this is the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, the reason God calls us to love him with all of our heart is because he first loved us with all of his heart, with all of his strength, and with all of his mind. And so we just need to think about that for a moment, that God loves you with all of his heart, all of his strength, and all of his mind, and Abba Father, the everlasting Father, loves you with all of his heart. Well, now that's good news, In Isaiah 9, 6, when it says, he is wonderful counselor, he he is mighty God, and he is everlasting father. That is that Isaiah wanted to remind us that Jesus, the coming king, is the one to come and to say, he came to the manger because he loves you deeply. He came because he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And he wants to to redefine maybe your picture of father or enhance it, make it into something that you've never dreamed or understood. Here's how I want to end today. Would you stand? Um, We're going to sing this really simple song that just describes the everlasting father. It just says, um, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. It's really simple. If you've never heard it before, I think you can learn it this morning. And we're just going to give God some thanks for who he is for who he is at Christmas time. We know we can trust him. And so would you just put your hands up like this if you feel comfortable, I'm gonna pray for us. If you wanna come to the altar this morning just to worship, get your heart ready for this next week coming up, I wanna encourage you to come now. Nothing special about this place, it's just a way to focus, it's a way to say, God, I give you everything I have, I 
I give you all I have today, my whole self, all my focus, all my attention, all my surrender. In fact, I say this all the time, but I come up here because I'm too distracted to sit back there. There's nothing spiritual or special about, oh, if you come up, you're important or you're this or you're that. It's just saying, God, you have my full attention. You're good father. Lord, I pray that you would redefine our framework as what, what you are, what an everlasting father was. God, we know that you have seen all of our lives. You've seen our fathers. You've seen the way we've been treated by them, whether good or bad or difficult, Father. And, and you know that some of us have a very misunderstanding of what a father is. And I pray today you would redefine that. You would redefine that, that you are an everlasting father and that you come to seek and to save the lost and you come to be close to us and you do all these things for us because you love us. You love us, God. It is not a transactional relationship, Lord. You do it out of this great love for us. And we pray that you would heal any wounds or misperceptions we have of you being Father. Lord, help us love you with all our hearts. Help us love others the same way. God, help us know that so that we can follow through on what you've asked us to do. Lord, you are a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace. And today we declare that. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender. It's who 
Yes, God, we thank you that you are everlasting Father. We, we vow to remember that this week in the seven days leading up to Christmas. We're so excited to put you first to celebrate how you sent your son to a manger. God, we love you. We pray that we could reflect that this week in all that we do and say. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.